The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I am your host, Dr. Drayvon James, and I'm super excited to have you here with us today on the Unity Online Radio Network, where we explore the concept of developing a life of peace every day. We do this every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or whatever time it is right now in your corner of the world. And yes, you heard me right. A life of peace every day. Can you even imagine such a thing? I mean, it's Monday. And for most people, they don't associate Monday with peace. But we do here on the Everyday Peace Show with Dr. Drayvon James. A life of peace every day, and that includes Mondays. So we define peace as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Just inhale that for a moment. Just that concept. When it when I say that, it just makes me feel more peaceful. So I know you think that it's probably impossible to have that kind of lifestyle, but I'm here to tell you that yes, you can have a life of peace every day, no matter how busy and chaotic your life is. I work full time. I'm the mom of two very, very busy kids. I run this business. I run the radios. I do a radio show. I'm doing talking and traveling. And yes, my life is busy just like yours. That does not mean that we can't have peace every day. Listen, guys, we've got to check in with ourselves. We've got to hit the pause button. In fact, I heard something today in my comings and goings, and it said that if you're busy, you have a busy lifestyle, you need to spend a half an hour a day in just quiet reflection. It's just quiet reflection. If you're super duper busy, like crazy busy, you don't know whether you're coming or going half the time, you need to spend an hour a day in quiet, meditative reflection. Now, that sounds counterintuitive. If you're super duper busy, where are you going to get this hour from? So I haven't tried it yet, but I heard it today. But, you know, it really made sense to me because the more busy we are with our life, the faster things are moving, the more we need to sit within ourselves, just resonate in peace, just sit there in, in that, in the warmness and the security of peace, not thinking, not trying to plan out today, just sitting and listening. And what are we listening to? Our internal voice, the the voice of wisdom. If you listen to my posts on Facebook and Instagram this morning, you know, we're talking about wisdom. So that voice of wisdom, not the voice of panic and fear, because that voice is playing too, but wisdom is there. And you got to get quiet and you got to sit and you have to listen so you can hear that wisdom. And when you hear that wisdom, it'll orchestrate your day for you. You'll automatically know the next thing that needs to be done and so on and so on. So it sounds counterintuitive. I'm trying it this week. I love it if you try it with me. We can check in with each other. So 
that's an hour a day for those of us who are super, super duper busy and for the average busy lifestyle, because there is no not busy lifestyle, but for the average busy lifestyle, a half an hour a day. We'll see how that gets us going. Today, we are fortunate enough to have with us Ilana Davison. She is a repeat guest, and I brought her back because her topic is so amazing. And you'll hear, I'm going to read her bio, but it's so timely. It's something that we all need more of in our life, and that's happiness. But she is coming from a very deep foundational standpoint. So before I bring her on, let me give you her bio. Ilana is the best-selling author of the newly released book, Finding Your Own Happy, The Soul Searcher's Guide to Peace and Happiness in Everyday Life. Over the last 10 years, Ilana has helped countless soul searchers, empaths, and sensitive folks transform emotional turmoil, confusion, insanity, and depression to reclaim their vitality and their energy to create empowered lives that truly work for them. A soul searcher all her life, Ilana wondered why after more than 20 years of personal exploration, self-reflection, meditation, spiritual practice, all this, and work with other sorts of healers and modalities, and even going to therapy, all of that, she still seemed to struggle and sometimes suffer from debilitating and suicidal feeling depression. Not finding satisfactory answers from those she turned to for guidance, Ilana forged her own path, discovering the missing keys that ultimately made depression a thing of the past and restored her energy and vitality to create a life worth living. But we all want a life worth living. Ilana's professional training spans decades of exploration and study in fields of consciousness, psychology, personal development, and energy healing. And along with her empathetic, empathic, sorry, empathic and intuitive abilities inform her work with clients. She also holds a BA in child study and human social dynamics when not traveling the world. Sharing her message, she's she graces the beautiful town of Moab, Utah with her presence. So I am so happy to bring Alana back to the show because finding your own happy, finding your own happy, just the idea that we can do that, even after being in therapy, doing so much um, work on ourselves and kind of getting to the point where you feel like maybe happiness is not for you. It is for you. It is for you. And there is something that can help. So without any further ado, Ilana, thank you for coming back on the Everyday Peace Show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you. I am super excited to have you. And before we get into... We're talking about your free book today. And I and I you know what I said I want to do this at the beginning of our show because I get so wrapped up in talking to you and listening to you that I, I get captivated and I forget <laughs> last time we talked, you were on the show and I didn't even go to the free giveaway. If mm-hmm. you've been following me, you may already have her free book because I've been talking about it about just about every other day on my morning uh talks. But if you go to www finding your own happy book.com you can download the book for free now how amazing is that it's www 
findingyourownhappybook.com. So I wanted to give that to you at the beginning of the program. Hopefully you all may already have it, but just in case you don't, hop over and get that book. And we have the author with us today, so she's going to be going through a lot of points. But before we get into the book, Alana, I want to talk a little bit about, or maybe a lot about, you turned, you, you had this situation going on within yourself. And of course you can tell us as much as you would love to tell us about that. Mm -hmm. But what I found very interesting about your story is that you decided to turn within and listen to what was going on within yourself to get Mm -hmm. to your place Mm -hmm. of healing, to get to your place of happy. And I know that in itself, a lot of people who are sitting in therapy right now, or, and this is not to say anything negative about therapy because I, I, highly recommend therapy. I think it is a very vital option in the lives of many people. But Mm -hmm. sometimes when people are sitting in therapy, they don't have the thought that they can clearly feel or detect or know what is best for them because they think sometimes the reason that I'm in therapy is because I don't know. So I, right. I found it so interesting that you, you did this. So talk a little bit to, to that point, you know, give us a little history, bring us up to that point, but I definitely want to touch on, yeah. you know, how you got well, secure in, in doing that. Certainly a lot of, a lot of just struggling from depression and mental health things is, is a lack of trust in yourself and a lack of clarity about what's really going on for you and, and how to determine that. And I would say also a lot of people who struggle from, Depression struggle from a sense of wrongness in themselves, that there's something wrong with them, that they're somehow wrong, that their feelings are somehow wrong. And what I've come to discover and to learn is that you're a lot less wrong than you actually think you are. And for people like me, and and I think many of the people that I work with, We grew up in families where we knew things, we were aware of things that were going on, and we were told that we were wrong for what we perceived, and it created a lot of confusion and a lot of craziness in our minds, and so then we're going to therapy trying to sort out, like, what's wrong with me? Why do I feel crazy? Because we were never really allowed to trust ourselves, trust what we perceived, and trust our emotional responses to things. So maybe you got someone was being a little bit unkind to you and you got upset about it and you were told that you were making too big of a deal about it and like, oh, you're too sensitive or whatever that is. And so like, oh, oh, I must be wrong. This must, this must not be unkindness. I must be the one that's wrong and let me now try to figure out what's going on with me. Um, so that was some of my journey is, is in my family knowing that something really wasn't quite right, but being told all of the time that the thing that wasn't right was actually with me, that I was the issue and I was the problem and I just didn't know things or I didn't know how to receive love or what are you talking about? We have a great family and um, you're so privileged in all these ways. And I knew that something wasn't quite right. And so it's been a long journey to learn to trust myself again, but I think that is one of the things of finding your own happy is to reconnect. And there's a chapter in my book where I talk about this called Resetting Your Emotional Compass, where you get back in touch with the truth of your experience, the truth of your feelings, 
and you start to learn how to listen again to what's going on inside of you and what your feelings are telling you about the world around you and how it's affecting you. Yeah, I love that, that you get back in touch with yourself because I find that even if you are not in a place of, well, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people second-guess themselves when they're when there's opposition to their feelings someone saying well you know mm-hmm. you're taking it the wrong way and then you tend to you know feel like if you're a sensitive person at all most of us are to some degree we don't want to be an ogre we don't want to be oh or too sensitive where we're feeling like everything hurts my feelings or that was an insult but there are clearly times when people have deliberately done things or are done things mm-hmm. that are not deliberate but they don't own up to it and it does yes. give you a sense of well, maybe, maybe that, maybe that, maybe I did read that wrong. And if there's enough of that happening, gosh, that could really uh, cause you to have a feeling where you can't trust what you're interpreting in your life. Yes, I, th- something that um, I heard once that was so helpful for me, which was this quote that said, "Your feelings are not up for negotiation." They are just the lived experience of the moment that you're in. And so it's like, wow, if you're going, oh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I must be wrong for feeling this way. It's not a a matter of negotiation. You are feeling that way. Now you can look at it and you can understand what is influencing those feelings and where they're coming from and so forth. But it's actually just what you're feeling in the moment that you're feeling it. So if somebody says something, and you have a emotional response, that's just what's happening in that moment. And the so to learn to, to honor that and trust that, and yeah, there's some sorting out to do, and especially the, the thing that you're talking about where maybe people are intentionally being a little bit unkind or manipulating you and then telling you that you're wrong or that you're overreacting, um, that's a term called gaslighting that yeah. can be incredibly confusing. And that's something that I'm starting to explore more and more and how it affects our mental health and our sanity. And I believe that that's part of what was going on for me as a little kid is that my family was perpetually gaslighting me, telling that I was wrong and I was the one that was wrong rather than hearing my concern and hearing my feelings and responding to it in an empathetic way. Oh, okay, you're feeling that way? Let's look at that. Let's understand what's going on there for you instead of, oh, you're making it up or you're being too sensitive. And one of the things about gaslighting is, and it happens, you know, in in families and also happens in intimate relationships, is that the person who's having that kind of experience questions their sanity and wonders what's going on for them and especially with if you're a kid and you've spent a lot of your childhood thinking like, am I just crazy? There's a good chance that what was going on is you were actually being gaslighted and then you internalize that and just decided like, oh, I must be wrong. I must be crazy. Yeah. You know, as, as you're talking, my heart kind of weeps a little bit because I think who among us gets out of childhood without having a few scars on our knees, right? 
Or, and, and that's the first that's the first journey right and then you get through you know the college years and your needs get scarred a little bit more and then you yeah. you know you get into yeah. your first marriage and your needs get scarred even more and at some point well, I, you're, you're right we have to we have to be able to find our own happy because mm-hmm. it's gotta it's gotta come from within we've yeah. got to have the well, tools we've got to be able to navigate this of navigating the scars of life, right? Because life has bumped and bruised. It has challenging things that show up. It's not going to ever not have challenging. Even today, like I had something come up on, and I was like, what's going on here? And I, I'm using the tools that I know how to use to help me identify what it is and turn it around so I get back to that happy feeling place. But one of the things that has been most crucial is being able to trust yourself again and being able to have emotionally appropriate responses to the things that happen to you. So if you have, like, some childhood that wasn't so great, which a lot of us have, especially if we're, you know, not super happy, were you allowed to see what that was? Were you allowed to see the unkindness? Were you allowed to, in my case, like, mourn and grieve that my parents weren't really there for me and that I was a bit neglected? Instead, like, I wasn't allowed to even acknowledge that and have that emotionally appropriate response. And so for me, and what I see, and also this is not my own theory, but from some authors that I am very fond of and read, is that when you're allowed to have those emotionally appropriate responses, it frees up your life energy again. It frees up yourself, and it's like, yeah, if something happens that is upsetting, then mourning it or grieving it or having some of those feelings is going to help you move on and and then have a healthy relationship with your life. And also when similar things that show up come into your world, then you can identify them for what they are rather than questioning yourself and being confused. You can say, oh, like that didn't feel good to me. Like, oh, that, you know, when Mm. you said that, I felt really sad and I'm noticing my sadness instead of, twisting yourself up in all the different ways that we do when we stop trusting our own internal, what I think of your feelings are your internal navigation system. They're an emotional compass that alert you to how you're being affected by the world around you and how it's impacting you. And when you cut that off, then it can be very confusing and you can't always see when people are not treating you the most kindly because you've not been allowed to have an emotionally appropriate response, if that makes sense. It makes so much sense. I mean, so much so that as you talk, I I have like this will going around in my head because I, I, I can see, and I want to stick with your example about childhood. So you mentioned something mm-hmm. as a young adult or even as a child to your parents. You say, okay, this is how I feel about what's going on and, and you deem it to be an emotionally appropriate response. But then they also, the person that you're communicating with, whether it's your parents or your spouse or your coworkers or your boss or your hairdresser, it doesn't matter. They also got to be emotionally mature enough and safe enough to receive and respond appropriately. Or else yes. if you're not, if you're not, and, and this is where I'm going with this, if you're, if they're not, and you don't know if they are, because we don't really know what that, what they're bringing to the table. You know, we all come with all our own emotional baggage. Mm-hmm. If their response, if they cannot handle your emotionally appropriate response because of their own situation, 
-hmm. their response to your statement could cause more trauma for you as it's as it is causing trauma for them so one of us hopefully both of us but one of us has got to be on the page of finding our own happy like this is this is okay for for me to bring to you for me to express to you but ultimately i am responsible and capable of finding Mm -hmm. my own happy irregardless of what your response is to the situation yeah, and that's well, in that responsiveness of what maybe I would call an empathetic ear is what Alice Miller, who who really helped me understand this, author Alice Miller, um, she talks about the importance of, as a child, having an empathetic ear, having someone that can receive your emotionally appropriate response and get some empathy for whatever happened for you. Now, as you get to be adult, if you've had that healthy um, reflection in your childhood where someone validated your experience and validated your feelings, then when your spouse is, like, not having it, when you have an emotionally appropriate response, you've created the internal infrastructure and, and conditioning where you can sort of withstand that denial of your experience and be like, well, you know what, this is actually what's true for me. So you go do your thing, but I'm going to, I'm going to own what's true for me. Whereas if you're a little kid and your parent does that to you, it's so terrifying and psychologically almost impossible to have that um, discord with your parent because you depend on them for your survival. So your connection, your attachment to your parent is of the utmost importance. So when your parent denies you, what are you going to do? You're not going to deny your parent. You're going to deny yourself and make yourself wrong because that is way less scary than having a parent that's not there for you and losing the connection with your parent. And so some of us have to retrain ourselves because we didn't get that empathetic response from childhood. And so we internalized that it was us that was wrong or had the problem. Um, and then to, to sort of retrain yourself to say, you know what, actually, no, I'm going to give compassion and empathy to myself. I'm going to invalidate my own feelings and know that I have a right to them and that they're completely legitimate and I'm, I'm going to trust myself again. And that's a process to learn for sure. Right. It's all right. It all goes back to trusting oneself. So thank you for bringing us up to part on, on that piece. Now, I, tell me why you you healed yourself. You brought yourself back mm-hmm. to I'm going to use the word sanity because you use in, the, in, in your bio, you said helping people move from insanity or depression. Yeah, you like brought yourself crazy. back. Like, am I so, so what brought you what what motivated you to write this book why not just heal yourself Mm -hmm. and be in that place why write the book because I started to so I for so many years of my life I grew up in an environment that was a sort of personal development spiritual self-help environment so I spent many many years of my life in that sort of quest of trying to understand my own limitations, where I was getting stuck, what I wasn't seeing, and didn't understand why I was still feeling depressed. I still sometimes felt suicidal, and I, I, 
Like, if I've, I've spent 20 years working on my stuff, shouldn't it be a little bit easier by now? And so, anyway, fast forward, and then I'm, I'm encountering people in my life that seem to be struggling in similar ways. They feel like they've done all the right things and they've tried all these things that seem to work for other people, but they're not working super well for them, or they're going through some of the same turmoil and same challenges. And I started to recognize, oh, you have the same sort of, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I feel like something's wrong and I can't put my finger on it, experience that I had that I couldn't find an answer for for so long. And it's like, oh, I just, like, if you just had this information, I know it can make such a big difference for you. And so that was a lot of why I wrote the book is like, hey, you know, if you just understood some things about yourself, you might stop blaming yourself so much. You might stop thinking that you're so wrong. And you might find a way out of some of that, like, depression that seems like you just can't ever change. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I, and I am no clinician and I don't, do not want to pretend to be one, but I do have this question or, or a thought when you talk about depression and suicidal, mm-hmm. and it seems to me to be rooted in fear. Like there's this mm. deep sense of fear of something, maybe it's alienation or, uh, but it's some deep seated fear. Well, I, and sometimes I think that's true. I think, What's also true is, like, um, the things that you're not allowed to know or to see. So that was part of the truth for me, is I wasn't allowed to know or see or have an emotionally appropriate response, right, to what was happening to me in my family. And so if you don't, if you're not allowed to have your feelings and be connected and have a healthy emotional life, that can put you in a place of depression and of cutting yourself. So to me, depression is a lot of like pressing down, right? Or cutting yourself off from mm-hmm. your truth, yeah. from your life energy. And there are times, there was one time in particular where I spent a whole day feeling incredibly depressed. I couldn't get to exactly why. And then I realized, oh, I'm actually really angry. And I haven't been allowed to be angry. We're going to stop right there, Alana, and go to a break. I hear them getting ready to start the music, but I love that you connected that depression with anger because it's an un- anger is unacceptable for society. They don't want to know that we're mad. Exactly. So we're going to come right back after these commercial breaks with Alana Davison and Finding Your Own Happy. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, celebrating diversity and inclusivity for Pride Month. We are one. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Meditation Minute with Paulette Pipe. So as always, we begin our time of meditation 
by first taking account of what we're feeling, those sights that we're seeing, those sensations that we're experiencing, and each breath that we breathe. Notice where in your body you're experiencing those sensations. Let your breathing find its own rhythm. As we begin the process of letting go, the process of relaxation. Remember why we're here. To hear more from Paulette Pipe and Touching the Stillness, visit the archives section at unityonlineradio.org. Unity teaches that all people are created with sacred worth and that no one exists outside the heart of God. The Unity message is free from discrimination, and we believe that love is the strongest power that exists no matter who you choose to love. Always, and especially during this month of Pride, Unity stands with our LGBTQ family as we honor the strength of diversity in our spiritual community. If you'd like more information, visit unity.org LGBTQ. Would you like to show your support for Unity Online Radio? You can donate easily on your phone by texting the word VOICE to 50555 and donate $10 to support Unity Online Radio. It's easy to do, and your offering will help us keep inspirational and positive programming on the air. Remember, just text the word VOICE to 50555 and support your favorite shows on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Recovery from addiction can be a lonely experience. Get help and support with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice, Reverend Dan Beckett, and Spirit of Recovery every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Welcome to a place where spirituality and recovery meet. Each week, you'll hear stories and topics that are important to the recovery community. Tune in for some lively conversation and join in with your questions and comments. Nearly 21 million people struggle with addiction in America. Reach out and join us here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome back. We are with the author, Ilana Davison, with discussing her book, Finding Your Own Happy. And I want to tell you that we're giving, she's, she's giving away a free copy of her book today. And you can get a free copy at www.findingyourownhappybook.com. That's www.findingyourownhappybook.com. So we, we ended just before the break, we were talking about anger versus depression like you said you thought you were depressed but then you realized you were just really angry and i find i a lot of times we don't talk about how angry you are especially as women because it's really unacceptable socially i think for women to say you know i'm just really angry about that because it you know that's aggressive and you know who are we to be angry you know um so but that's a great point that you make we need to acknowledge that we're angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That can't yeah, be suppressed. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about that on the last show, but that anger anger serves an important purpose often when um, 
when someone does something that invalidates our being or violates our boundaries in some way or is less than true respect or care for us, then the natural tendency is to, for anger to emerge. And it's actually a healthy response to say, wait, no, stop. That's not okay for me. And yet we've been taught, I mean, what you do with your anger is a whole other story. You know, you don't want to spew your anger toward everyone. But I think that when people spew anger, it's because they've not been allowed to be angry for so long. And they've not been allowed to have that container. So then it comes out in all of these destructive ways. In my book, I liken it to fire, and which is fire is an incredibly useful tool if you know how to handle it. But it can also be incredibly destructive. It can burn the house down. So... Anger in and of itself is not the issue, it's what we do with it. And when we allow ourselves to be angry, then we can maintain our integrity as a person. And it's like the energy doesn't get clogged up. I had a few clients who had had horrific things happen to them, like sexual abuse, things like that. And they had never really been allowed to have that emotionally appropriate response to what had happened to them. And in that case, anger really is the emotionally appropriate response. And so there was a lack of real power for them in a certain way because they often were like apologizing for every other people's behavior or being understanding rather than really claiming, no, that hurt and that wasn't okay with me and that never gets to happen again. Um, there was sort of a meekness that they had assumed because they were never allowed to be angry. And so that, for me, getting in touch with that anger and having that right to be angry, and and it's like it keeps your whole being intact and it keeps you fully empowered rather than sort of submissive and giving up your power. I, I I love that. I love that to keep yourself empowered. So our topic today, we're talking to Ilana Davison on her book, Finding Your Own Happy. And it deals a lot with helping people who have gone to therapy or a number of other um, treatment modalities and they haven't worked. So let's spend some time understanding and unpacking why therapy might not work. Mm-hmm. Right. So therapy therapy does work great for some people, and that's awesome. It's, it, what I say about anything, including medication, like if it's working for you, great, stick with it. But if it's not working, let's look at what else might be going on. And so one of the big things that I haven't mentioned yet that was part of my journey is that I discovered that I'm actually incredibly empathic. So being empathic means that you are feeling into what's going on for other people. Maybe you feel other people's emotions. Maybe you feel their sadness. Maybe you um, pick up on all sorts of different things. And most of us are somewhat empathic. Uh, some of us are highly empathic, which is, is the case with me. Um, but a lot of us are actually feeling stuff and having experiences of stuff that isn't actually ours. So if you go to therapy, so let's say you're empathic, and and for me, like for a long time I picked up on what was going on with my mom, and in this journey of discovering I was empathic, I like would wake up and be like, why am I feeling so sad today? And I'd say, oh, is, is that my mom? Like am I feeling my mom? And then I would call her and get her on the phone and say, mom, what's going on? 
she's like, yep, that's how I'm feeling. Oh, okay, so I'm actually feeling your sadness, not mine. Now, if you don't know that and you're struggling with sadness, depression, all these kinds of feelings, and you're going to therapy going like, okay, how do I work out my heaviness, my depression? Why do I just feel not so great all the time? What's this thing weighing me down that I can't seem to get past? Well, most therapy and most of the other modalities that I worked with are going to assume that if you're experiencing if you're having those feelings show up in any way, then they're actually yours and they have to do with you. And so the way you would approach that is to look at like what's going on with you, what you know, what is it about that has to do with you, what's your issues. Whereas if it's just something that you're aware of, it's a whole different way of approaching it and and being able to identify like, oh, who are you aware of? Whose energy is that? What do you perceive? Mm -hmm. And if you go to therapy trying to work on stuff that isn't yours, you're not going to get very far because the soon as you're out in the world and you feel somebody else's stuff again, it's just going to be right back there with you because you can't really fix or heal or solve or resolve or work your way out of things that are just things that you're aware of, if that makes sense. Right, it does. And so we're talking about this is a lot of subconscious work and mm-hmm. you're getting to, you know, it's not a one, like we discussed during the, during the break, it's not a one fix for everybody. It's not always the same for everybody, but during the break, I asked you, like, I wonder if there's one thing that someone could do, most people could do that would give them the energy to try the next thing. Because a lot of times when I, and I'm a pharmacist, I've been a clinical pharmacist for 29 years, and I worked for a number of years in psychiatric care. And a lot of Mm -hmm. times, a lot of the patients that we saw didn't have the energy to do any of the work. I mean, journaling, anything, it just, it just, they were just tapped out. And you need something to kind of jumpstart you. Yeah, there's two things that I think of. Um, so if you are incredibly empathic, that can weigh you down to the point like you feel like you can't move. Uh, the first thing that I suggest is that you start to ask yourself, is this mine or who does this belong to? Like, So if you're bogged down by this huge heaviness and you go, wait a minute, is this even my heaviness? And if it shifts or gets somewhat lighter for you, then there's a good chance that it wasn't yours in the first place. And so beginning to identify and to separate out what's yours and what's not can be the beginning of sort of digging yourself out from, I think, like all the pile of stuff that's piled on top of you. And that can so really increase your energy a lot. Right. So Go you ahead. said if you, if you just ask yourself the question, is this even mine, that could shift mm-hmm. energy, just that awareness? Yeah, I've literally, like I, when I first learned of that as a tool, and started to understand that I might be empathic, I was literally, there was a day that was so, like, striking for me because it was the first time I really used it and felt the power of it. I was literally lying on my bed crying, tears, feeling sad, and then making up a story that went along with it about how my life sucked or whatever, how sad I was. And then I said, wait a minute, is this even mine? Does this even, like, is this even mine? And the tears stopped, like, literally the feeling went away, and I couldn't access it again. And I was, like, almost surprised, like, oh, okay, whatever I was feeling had nothing to do with me, but I just took it on. 
And now I gotta stop you right there. Probably had to do with with a roommate. So right, because I am big on self awareness. Mm-hmm. I talk about this a lot. And the only way we can get to know ourselves is to do that really boring thing for a lot of us, but it's to spend time with ourselves and do exactly what you did. Start talking mm-hmm. and asking ourselves questions. Really, you know, is and I love that. Is this even my sadness? Oops. Yeah. It's and- not even mine. Because you know, you fall asleep and it, this is going to sound so simplistic, but it is so true. You fall asleep with the TV on. Maybe your mate is watching TV. It's a horrific news program or something in there. That jumps into your subconscious mind. You wake up in the morning. You don't even know why, but you just have this feeling of just yuckiness. Mm-hmm. You're like, what yeah. the heck? I just woke up. Why am I? So all of this stuff, I mean, you have to take a moment and, you know, to really, like I heard that advice today, spend an hour, if you're very, very busy, spend an hour just in quietness or a mm-hmm. half an hour in quietness. And those are some of the questions that you're asking yourself. And is this really mine? What am I feeling? And does, where is mm-hmm. this coming from? What is this related to? Because you may find that it's not even your stuff. It's something from the news. Yeah, exactly. It can be, you know, and the thing is, you don't even have to know where it comes from. And sometimes I do, and and that's been a lot of my development is understanding like, oh, I'm feeling my mom or I'm feeling this person or I'm feeling what's going on on the planet right now. And I've honed in my awareness to that, but sometimes it's enough to just say like, oh, is this mine? Like if you walk down the street and all of a sudden you're like feeling really grouchy when you were feeling fine before, that's a good chance that you just like picked up on something that was going on with the person you just walked by, let's say. Um, And so that's, yeah, that's key. And so much of my work is really built around asking questions and following your awareness. So if you ask a question and it creates space and it creates lightness and creates ease in your being, then you're on to something. And I've been told what's true for you will make you feel lighter. What's a lie for you will make you feel heavier. And so I'm always looking for that place with myself and with my clients. Like, what's the insight, the awareness, the bit of information that's going to shift everything and you're going to have that sense of ease and lightness again. And it's amazing once you really get it, it's like, wow, it it can feel like your whole energy just shifted. And, I mean, I've literally gone from feeling really contracted and depressed and in a little ball, like not understanding what I'm experiencing and what's going on, to through the process of question asking and doing the work to like, wow, I feel liberated again. I feel like I have my life back and my energy and vitality. And that's really just through the process of of looking deeply, asking the right questions. And once you get to the core belief or story or whatever bit of information, it can switch things around. Like even before this call, I was, I had something coming up and I was like, what is this? What? And it was like, wasn't budging, wasn't budging. And then finally I hit on, and on a question that like, wow, my whole world just opened up again. I feel excitement and enthusiasm. Wow. Okay. I'm right. That. And it made <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. And I love this um, for our listeners. Um, asking questions. What's true for you will make you feel lighter. And what's a lie for you will make you feel heavier. And that's just that sense of heaviness, that sense of dread, right? We're talking about. 
So or a it's lot of contraction, times, you don't want to move. Sometimes it's you don't want to move. It it can be sometimes it can be dread. Sometimes it's like ugh, just like um, you know that like, discomfort feeling of like ugh, I just don't feel quite right in my own skin, and I feel agit. I guess the word would be like some agitation. I don't understand. Um, or not at peace. You know, your show is all about peace. If you're feeling like, oh, I'm just restless and I'm not quite at peace, you know, the question and looking at what's really going on can guide you back to those places of ease, happiness, peace, joy, all of that. Absolutely. So let and I got a couple questions. You guys know I always, always talk about my upcoming topic wherever I'm going and grocery store, the dry cleaners, anywhere. I'll strike up a conversation about the show and who's going to be on there. And I have a couple questions from people that I met that I, I promised to ask. But I want to spend just one more second on the questions part because I really want the listening audience mm-hmm. to understand something that I believe to be true. And you can talk about whether you find this in your practice or not. But it is about asking the right questions. And sometimes asking the really big question is too much you're not mm-hmm. ready for the really big question. So, uh, you know, should I quit my job? And that just, just the idea of the question contracts you and the whole idea. See, that's not a yes mm-hmm. or just not a no. It's that I'm not ready for that question. But you can ask smaller questions to lead up to the bigger yeah. questions. And this is why it's so very important that you know you better than you know anybody else on the planet. Better than mm-hmm. anybody else on the planet knows you. You need to know you. And that's why I can totally relate to your story, I believe, about how after you know 20 years you mentioned that you were going to therapies and all different types of modalities. And then you just said, hey, I'm going to listen to what's this voice inside of me, this this leading, this leadership from within, that exists in mm-hmm. e- each and every one of us. But you really got to be in a place where you're paying attention to yourself. And so I applaud you for your journey because doing all mm. of that work for those 20 years, you were really paying attention. Mm-hmm. You really were paying mm-hmm. attention to you. Finally, you just you know said, "Okay, I I, I got enough belief in myself. I I know this. Now I'm gonna now I'm going to act on it." So mm-hmm. that is so important. Exactly. And I just yeah, and I just thank you. And I just really want our audience to get the get the idea that don't get scared of the questions. If a question in itself causes you to contract or you know get that sense of heaviness or what have you. A dis-ease, you know, that's dis and ease, but ask a smaller question leading up to the big mm-hmm. questions. Don't ask those big questions right away sometimes because just the question itself can frighten you. Right. It's, so I got it. Tapping into what I call your awareness. Like, you know a lot more than you give yourself credit for. And what are you aware of? What are you perceiving? What do you know? Like, oh, like, okay, maybe you're not ready to, like, should I quit my job? There's a lot of things that go into that. And a should question is, a, is not necessarily the most effective question. But you might ask a question of, like, am I depressed because I'm unhappy with some aspect of my job? Like, okay. And then maybe you can start to look at, like, so what is it that, you know, what about my job is feeling not satisfying for me, if that's the case? And that can guide you. And it's like when I commit myself, because I really do commit myself, like, please, universe, show me everything. Let me see everything. What am I not willing to perceive or to see? Because I know that putting blinders on myself 
is ultimately limiting me and also ultimately not going to contribute to my happiness and well-being. So I want to know and I want to see what's really going on in my life because then I can respond to it accordingly and I can work with it accordingly. So it's like if I'm depressed or something's not working out for me so well, it's like, okay, what do I need to know or what do I need to see that I haven't been willing to see that could make a difference for me? So that's that's a question that you can ask and sort of invitation of life, of the universe, whatever you believe to to sort of reveal to you that information that then you can use to continue working and moving forward on your path. Like, what do I need to know here? Like, what would what would be the most helpful for, thing for me right now? Um, all of those kinds of things. And the other thing about question is question opens up possibility, whereas conclusion kind of is a limitation. It's, it's defining reality, whereas questions like, I wonder, what else? Hmm. And then you get more information, you get more ideas, rather than this is this way, or, or looking for an answer even of what, what's the right thing to do. Like, what's going to, what, I mean, I'm always looking for what's going to create more ease and lightness and, and make my life feel better. Right. And I love that question. I call that looking at the world with amazement. So a little trick mm-hmm. that I use that hopefully could benefit somebody else is when I'm going through something in my life that is undesirable for me, as I perceive it, you know, it's not going the, the way that Drayvon would like for it to go. I often stop and say, hmm, I wonder how this is going to work out yeah. for my good. And I get this yeah. huge smile on my face as I'm saying it because I know that changes the energy because now I become less nervous and more inquisitive, almost like a child on Christmas Day. You know, I don't know what yeah. kind of surprise is in this box and it doesn't, and I don't and even you, like the wrapping, just, <laughs> but it's, yeah. You've just moved out of all of the conclusions you have about you know, how it's going to be horrible and, and terrible or whatever those those dreadful stories that you have about what's going to happen. And then you just open yourself up to be curious to a different possibility. Like, let's say, you, you know, you lose your job and then you have all the conclusions that go along with it of all of the horrible things that are going to happen to you as a result. If you say, I wonder how this can work out for my good, all of a sudden you've opened up your mind that there could be good from it and that you're open to perceiving it and receiving it. And so you get yourself out of that stuck mental place, which is playing the loops of all the the worst case scenario conclusions that you can think of into a sort of creative mind of, well, what else? What could happen? Like, what have I not thought of yet? That might be, you know, truly amazing. Right. And I think it's important for um, for us all to know here, too, is that this stuff we're saying right here, right now, I hope if you're listening, you maybe have a pen to jot it down because it's easy to talk about when you're in a good space and you're feeling OK. But we all know when you get that knot that's turning in your stomach and you feel at um, you feel ill at ease about a situation, it can be difficult to think about what the next thing, the next profitable thing, the next right thing to do is. And. It's good for me. I will just say I have this practice every day. I write out a three active gratitude list every day of my life. I have to have it. And I write out my intention for the day, however small it may be. And I keep it with me so that I can refer to it during times of stress when those cortisol levels are shooting up and I'm just feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm tinkering on the edge of, you know, disaster. And it's sort Mm -hmm. of so. 
It's the same thing with the questions. If you know what questions to ask yourself almost instantaneously, like almost robotic, we're not taking the humanness out of it. What we're doing is we're reducing the spiral because if you let that thought of being of dread or being overwhelmed, get even a small foothold. You know, it's like it's on a slippery slope, you know, on a, on a, on a nice uh, icicle like or something. The, it, getting on the merry-go-round and going around the, the loop of the, the fears and the stories. And, right, and, and it'll play all night. It'll that, Create that yeah, it'll play, habit that so quickly, if something shows up in your life that's undesirable or feels challenging, it's like you get into the hat. And I'm in the habit of automatically asking the questions about like what would change this? What else is possible? How does it, you know, what is this? What's going to shift this? What? Um, so it's like you when you start to notice yourself going into the doubt, the negativity, the spiral. Just imagine a big red stop sign. Just stop, and then ask yourself a question like, how else could I look at this? What else is possible? Um, Mm. What's right what about else is this possible? that I'm not getting or not seeing? How could this work out even better than I ever could have imagined? How is right. this going to be good to me? And I will but say this you, too. I never ahead. search for the I never search for the answer because I like something that you said earlier. You said questions open up possibilities, and it's really mm-hmm. about me asking the question and letting the letting the possibilities flow. Mm-hmm. It's not about. It's not about you sitting there and drilling yourself and putting more pressure on yourself for the answer. You know, that's not what this is. This is an exercise that really frees you to walk in the realm of possibility. It's mm-hmm. so expansive, Absolutely. so powerful, and just being in that space. So don't get, if you're anything like me, I can be very methodical at times. And uh, you'll get to a place where you're like, okay, well, X plus Y plus, you know, to the second power, this and that. And you start thinking like, okay, this is what's supposed to happen next. That's not what we want to do here. What we really want to do is just ask the questions. And the energy for me in which I ask the questions is so important. Like I said, I always put that smile on my face. And sometimes I have to plaster it there when it's difficult Mm -hmm. to smile. You know how you've had that pain? Well, it's very, very difficult to smile. Like it can reach your lips, but it cannot reach your eyes. I still plaster it on my lips and I put that smile there and I say, I wonder how this is going to work out for my, for my good, even though my lips are probably trembling and I'm not believing it. But enough of that exercise for me pulls me along and gets me to a place Mm -hmm. where I can stand up Mm -hmm. and I can square my shoulders back and I can say to myself what I hope every listener can say to themselves is that Drayvon, you are safe. In the midst of this, you're still safe. Mm-hmm. That's what this journey about finding your. Own. When I when I read your book, when I hear you talk, I think about the multitude of people who really need to know that they're safe, that you're safe, right mm-hmm. here in the midst mm-hmm. of whatever seems to be going on. You are safe, and some people need to know that they are winning in the midst of it all because people, this perpetual feeling that we're losing all of the time. You're not mm-hmm. losing all the time because you're here. And you were here yesterday, so being here today makes you victory over yesterday, makes you victorious, excuse me, makes you victorious over yesterday. So you can tell us about yesterday if you want to from your perspective, mm-hmm. from your perspective. And so much, so much of the unsafety in my experience is really goes back to usually the past, and usually we're a lot safer in the present than we think we are, 
and the feelings of unsafety go back to being a little kid and not getting your needs met. And so that's what's showing up. And, and in the book, I do talk about how to become the inner parent. So to separate out what's your inner child and then be the inner adult in the situation. And it, I've seen it make such a big difference for people that I've worked with and also for me to say, like, oh, is this my little inner girl that's freaking out? And if so, like, how can I soothe her? How can I be with her? How can I connect with her to help her feel safe in the moment? And that that has definitely made a really big difference for me and for a lot of people because um, they get fused together. And, and yes, it's all you and it's all we. You know what, guys? We've done it again. Ilana, we, I hear the music coming for the end. I want to okay. close on that point, point right there, guys. Get the free book, um, www findingyourownhappybook.com um, and parent yourself with love. That's what I end on. Parent yourself with love. Thank you, Ilana, for coming back. Absolutely love you and the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.